Hey, hey, my podcasting friends, we are in March, and that means it is my birthday month, which, if you haven't gathered, I get pretty excited about. So, if you haven't yet, go join our party list, because we are having a Be Bold birthday bash over on Instagram and Facebook that you can join. If you join our email list, you are entered to win all sorts of awesome prizes this month. We are giving away over $1,000 of gifts and prizes and all sorts of things you don't wanna miss out on. So go join the list to stay up to date and know what you can win and be eligible to win all of the great things. As you know, this week is part two of Lindsay Ellison, our interview with her, and we are super excited for you guys to connect with her again. We've had such great feedback. You guys really liked the first part. If you are not, go follow her on Instagram at at Lindsay Ellison. Uh, she also has a website that is just lindsayellison.com. And check out her awesomeness. Her podcast is Unbreakable You, and it is so good, you guys, for so many different things. So awesome. Hope you go check her out. Last but not least, please drop us a rating and review. It really does make a difference, and we really do appreciate your support and love and seeing what you guys think about how we're doing, where we can improve, and we really want to hear from you. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself and then others like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. So my relationship with my father, so backstory, um, my mother died when I was six years old in a car accident and I was six, she was 34. It was just my brother and I. I was severely injured. My brother was not in the car. And then I had a pretty emotionally unavailable father after that. I mean, it's almost as though he died with her. And she was like the rock in the family. And he was just the guy, like that traditional father who went home, worked and like came home and had dinner. Right. So then after that, he's lost the love of his life. And I had a lot of nannies. I had a lot of live-in nannies. I had six nannies in four years, six nannies in four years. And all of them came with their baggage. And some of them were abusive with me. Some of them just left me without saying goodbye. So now I'm dealing with massive abandonment issues. And then on top of that, then my dad remarried. And he married a woman who was also very emotionally unavailable because she dealt with a lot of abuse as a child. So now I have two parents that basically took care of me and fed me and did the basic stuff, right? But I really did not even know what unconditional love was. I had no idea. So what codependents are so used to is that we are loved on certain conditions and not unconditionally. And that's the condition of being a good kid. The pleaser, the doormat, all of that. So that's when I ultimately started being in relationships before I even met my ex-husband. I was just dating jerks all the time. And then I would go after more of it and more of it and more of it. And it's because that's all I knew. And I did not know what unconditional love was. And so in order for us to attract unconditional love, what's, what do we have to do first is we have to unconditionally love who we are. And 
if you're dealing with a narcissistic parent, they do not raise you to even know what it means to unconditionally love yourself. They want you to love yourself on certain conditions so that you do not speak up and make their life hell, right? So that's why narcissistic parents, so if you had one, they all think about your ex-wife, right? Narcissists see their children as an extension of themselves. And that is not their authentic self. It's an extension of their false sense of self. So typically, narcissists want their children to be the best at something or not have any flaws. And if they do have a flaw, they'll just discard them. They'll triangulate their children to have one against the other. So that the one that they, the golden child we talk about, the golden child is the more successful one. And then there's the scapegoat child. So I was always the scapegoat child and my brother was the golden child. So year after year, I felt just ignored and discarded by my parents, my, you know, my, my mom and Stepan. And they, again, this is not on a conscious level. They don't know any better. They don't do it on purpose. They align with their most successful child because that then gives them supply to say, look how great of a parent I am. Right. Right. So that's the stuff that I've had to deal with my father. And, um, and it's been very, you know, I think the world of him, I think he's just like, I, like, I look up to him so much, but he is so emotionally unavailable. And as he's gotten older, he's in his mid seventies now, early to mid seventies. And um, what I had to do, and this is really, really critical is I had to let him go. Now he's in my life, but what I mean is I had to let him go and really forgive him and just accept for this person who he really is and not the father I always wanted him to be. And I remember going through that process and I'm not telling, this is like the past 10 years, right? It's like, it was hard. It was like having to let, like, it's almost as though I had to, like he died. And I've had to truly accept the man who he is, which means now, you know, I do not have the relationship that I would love to have with him, but it's a relationship that I have to have with him in order to have him in my life, right? And once I put those two together of like, okay, this is the person I was with growing up. And this is the person I am romantically with a man. Okay. I have to now give myself permission to love all of me and accept me for who I am. I mean, and I mean, love, like we're talking some deep self-love here. And once I was able to do that, then suddenly I just meet my now husband who is awesome. Right. So that's how we do it. It's awesome. You talked about, you shared the story where the first time you and your dad had an interaction where at the end of it, you didn't feel, I'm trying to remember your words now, hurt and exhausted. Is that the change that led you to that place? Are you talking about my podcast? Sorry, in your podcast, you referenced, you just talked about getting to a point where you can be around your father without feeling hurt and exhausted at the end of an interaction with him. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if I mentioned this. I think I said this in my podcast, but one of the things that I had done with my father and I, unknowingly for so many years is that I created drama in my life so that I could get attention from him. Sympathy, empathy. I, I always wanted to hear like, you were like my little girl and I love you so much and I've got your back, right? I've never heard of that. And I found myself creating crappy situations in my life. I was almost like manifesting them 
not even on a conscious level, so that I had something to talk to with my dad so that he could what? Rescue me. Yeah. And I think that when you've been hurting and kind of living in an emotionally unavailable relationship, you're like, well, if I don't get love from you here, at least I'm going to create a tension so that I can feel rescued. And what you're doing by probably default and mistake is that you are constantly putting you in a disempowered position and you're a constant victim. You're a constant, you're a victim to everything. So a true, if you ever met like a codependent and that could be AKA a hot mess, someone who is constantly creating drama for themselves and looking for, you know, they just can't seem to get themselves together. That's just a true indicator of like some trauma from their life. I learned that if I stopped creating trauma drama from my life and really start to do things that I wanted to do, such as starting a business, right? Or meeting an amazing man, I now have nothing to talk to with my dad. That was a huge eye-opener for me. And he doesn't like that, right? So now over the years, I think he's just like, well, that's Lindsay. And we have a very superficial conversation. I also learned, and this is really important for everyone, he loves me for as much as he can. It's not that he's holding back on his love. He's not. It's what he can do. It's what he's like literally emotionally capable of doing. And I do not put my dad in a spectrum of full-blown narcissist at all. I think he's more on the lower spectrum. He's just more, he really lacks empathy and he's emotionally disconnected from the world. So, and my, and my stepmom, who I call my mother, I've known her for my whole life, you know, she goes through issues with him all the time. But the only way a narcissist and a codependent relationship can work is if that codependent has a limited backbone, if you will, someone who is okay with being second, right? Interestingly enough, my ex is remarried and I doubt she'd be listening to your podcast. So, uh, but she and I have this like underground friendship and he does not know about it. So I, I hear things from my kids and I, and I get their relationship and I actually think it might work because she's just not a fighter like I am, right? She's okay. Now, I think I was that person, but then I evolved. And so that's why it didn't work because I don't have someone putting me, I can't handle someone putting me second. I have to be an equal partner. Wow. That's fascinating. The underground friendship part. Oh, I'll tell you. I like texted her the other day and I'm like, you want to be on my podcast? That would be so cool, right? Yeah. That would be so cool. um, I hope she said yes. Well, she did, but then we kind of realized it wasn't the best idea. (laughs) Should we have her on our podcast? So it's like (laughs) a little, a little less direct. (laughs) Right? Um, No, I was thinking that the reason why I thought of it is because she called me one day. She's dealing with my son, like she was dealing with step parent issues. And my younger son, who's almost 15 is a mini me. And so he's got a bit of a, he's a little bit of a fighter. He's a questioner, you know, and he's um, kind of a little rebellious phase, but he and I are like super close. He has a real struggle watching her in his 
dad's house because he sees me being this kind of alpha female, like don't take it from anybody. You know, he sees my husband and I push back at each other and, bleh, you know, it's not like, and I think he just sees that. So I don't think he has a lot of respect for her and how his father treats her. So he had said something to her, which really upset her. And she called me about it. And she's like, what, what do I do? How do I handle this? Which I thought was like pretty awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And she's just not that strong. Right. And, um, and they were, oh, and they just had a baby, by the way, they have like an eight month old baby at this point. And so she's dealing with a baby and like two teenage stepkids and all that stuff. So she was just texting me saying like, you were so cool. Like, thank you so much for giving me. I'm like, of course, because she, she doesn't understand why I'm not threatened by her. Yeah. And I'm like, why would I be? You know, I think all kids, if you have 50,000 people loving my children, like it's just to me and my- More like, the merrier. The more the merrier. And she's a great person and her parents love my kids. And so I'm like, why would I be threatened? I know the mother, there's, there's a mother, there's a stepmother and there's lots of- ways we have families. It's not just has to be one way. Right. Yep. So we were talking and I said, Oh, I have an idea. How cool would it be if I had you, you were on my podcast. She's like, Oh my God, that's awesome. And then we're like, but wait a minute, there's no way. (laughs) Like he hates me. I mean, he, he like visceral, like does not, he, he has never fun fact. He has never come to my door ever. He has never knocked on my door. He has never met my husband. We've been together for eight years. Wow. Um, if the kids are late, like late, or they're running behind and upstairs getting their stuff, he will leave. Like he won't knock on the door. He can't look at me in the eye. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, and so it would just be really weird that if I had her on my podcast, he would like lose his mind. You know, yeah. she, I know she knows what I do. Here's what I don't understand is like, don't you listen to my stuff? Like, And then she did say to me, she's like, you know, I I would debate with you. I don't think he's a narcissist. I'm like, of course you don't, because he's trained you to think that he's not. Yeah. But we'll see. It'll be to to be determined on that front. I just want to jump back to one thing about your scenario here with, it's fascinating to me that you have a relationship with his wife and that he doesn't have a relationship with your husband. Like, I cannot imagine being comfortable with my children being in the home of someone that I did not know, referring to you, Matt. Like, right. I would never have been comfortable with Penny living with someone who I did not know and have some sort of relationship and respect and trust for. So that just is mind-boggling to me. That I mean, that's just the surface of the bizarreness of him. I mean, he is just a weird person. And he, um, and I really think over the years, there's like something else going on mentally with him. I, I think he has, on top of narcissism, I think, it's really regulated by an anxiety disorder. So I think he has high anxiety and he can't regulate it. In fact, in marriage counseling years ago, the therapist was saying, you know, I really think you should benefit from medication. And this is a guy who thinks Advil is poison. So he would never subscribe to any, any kind of actual medication to temper him. But yeah, it's just amazing. It is, and, and interestingly enough, um, my son graduated from middle school a couple years ago. And it was really the first time my husband and the whole family was there taking photos. Um, my parents were there, his parents, his wife's parents, like we're all kind of huddled around. It was kind of a little awkward. 
And so his wife and I hug. Oh, hey, how's it going? You know, and then he went over to my husband, jolly as can be, like just this, like he's a politician. And he went over to my husband hmm. because everyone's watching. Hey, how are you? It's good to see you again. Oh, what? And my husband was like, what just happened? Like, what, what, yeah. And my husband was so mad and he could not even participate. He's like, I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta go to the car. Yeah. He's always been so angry that he's like, he's never met me. He's never shook my hand once. And now he wants to shake my hand because everyone's watching. Yeah. And that's what they do. I mean, that's like yep. a nar classic narcissistic move where to everyone else, they're like the greatest guy. Yep. Or girl. It's not just Ben. Nope. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I feel like we have received a lot of information and it has been amazing. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen how many times <laughs> there have been exchange glances between us, like, or whispers of... Oh my gosh! <laughs> this explains so much. Yeah. Um, and I do agree, like, there's definitely different levels of people we deal with. And, the, you know, but to identify some of these behaviors and be able to put words to it and understanding of how you can deal with them and work with them... It's huge. So beneficial. Thank you so much for sharing. Do we have any more say, areas we want to touch on? questions or anything? I or? have like I one. Would, well, I would just say like for all of our listeners and kind of selfishly for me, like what and would for be, you, <laughs> mostly for Matt, yeah. <laughs> what would be like your top three, like do this, 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 and this to deal with the narcissist in your life? Well, or do we just need to go buy Read your her book? book, Matt? <laughs> buy my book, right? But you know what? Let me just cover what magic means. Magic is an acronym. Perfect. Okay. Magic, oh, th awesome. those are the top five, right? Yeah. Ma magic is map their persona. So I come up with that phrase from my advertising days. When you are trying to sell a product to a buyer, you do what's called an exercise called buyer persona. So all the advertisers, and we get all this data on the buyers to know what triggers them, what's going to make them bite to buy your product. We call right? that our ideal avatar. Ideal avatar, ideal customer avatar, yeah. And, um, but it's mapping their persona, and in every section of my book, I give questions, you know, kind of a Q&A workbook type manuscript so that you can answer some of these questions. But it's really, the good news is you've been with this person, so you have all this data, right? There's yeah. no focus group required. And um, you can then understand what their childhood, so you're going to go back and look at like, how did they grow up and to understand the kind of the origins of their behavior. The next thing is assessing their fears and insecurities, A, assess their fears and insecurities. Narcissists are incredibly highly anxious, highly, deeply insecure people. We never see it or we see it, but the rest of the world doesn't. And especially if your kids are little, they don't see it now, but I 100% promise you that they will. And around, how old are they? Uh, 11 and 13. Ah, so here is when they are, it's around 13, 14, where they start to go, this doesn't seem right. Because why adolescents form an identity, that's what makes us turn into grownups to survive the world, right? So they're going to stop seeing themselves as an identity of mom or dad, and they're going to start to see them for who they are. Question, though. Mm -hmm. What if this 13-year-old is starting to show tendencies? Of, of being a narcissist? Yeah. yeah. I know. I, you didn't even have to ask me. I already knew the question. <laughs> uh, 
Well, that's, that's a, like a whole other episode, honestly, and I'm happy I'm sure. to come back and answer that. But to give you a short answer is that's another thing you have to nip in the bud, right? Is that that behavior is not okay in your home. And you really have to teach them what the consequences are and what that means. Because in your home, you're going to teach the value of empathy and the value of bad behavior. And, and you cannot do that unless there's a consequence. Narcissists, they don't have consequences. They don't. Right right? So, and a lot of people are afraid to give them one, okay? Look at our political climate right now and what's going on, and we're seeing that, right? Consequences are very, very hard to execute when you're dealing with a high-conflict person. So, just so you know, your 13-year-old is only doing that for the exact reason I just said earlier was, this is how he, he or she? He. This is how he's learning how to survive in mom's home. Okay. Okay. He's mirroring her behavior because why? Narcissists see their children as an extension of themselves. So she is rewarding him to behave just like her. And it's absolutely apparent. Yeah. Very, very clear. Yeah. So you have to reward him on a different level of a different kind of behavior. And at 13, here's a question you can ask them. Where did you, this is a wonderful intro conversation. Where did you learn to speak that way? Where did you learn to treat someone like that? You know the answer, but you want them to say it, right? And then hopefully they might say, well, mom does it. Okay, boom, now you have a great conversation. And you have to say, well, that's not okay. You can't do that. Well, mom does it. Why? Well, mom's a grown up and mom gets to do, but you, you can't, you're a child. And in my home, I have a set of rules, let's say. And that's really, I got to tell you, my kids were four and seven. They're now 17 and 14. When they were four and seven, I was really afraid that I was going to be alienated from their life, right? Like they were dad everything. And I have this fear right now going on in my own head. Mm -hmm. Dad was superhero and I was the flawed person. Well, I turned that around around 13, 12, 13, no, it was probably more like 10 or 11 with my boys. Um, but it's because I knew as much as I do, right, about this and what they're going to do. Like it's to the but, point, it's to the point where, because I have them week on, week off, 50-50, and the weeks that I have them, like I can't even make their lunch correctly. And so now she shows up at junior high with a lunch for him on my weeks every single day because I can't uh, make r- lunch right. Yeah, you're going to have to nip that in the bud too. It's just, it's just like laying down a set of rules and, and, you know, and I'm happy to work with you on this like off, like offline too, because this is what they do and this is how they get supply. And it's, they're getting supply from their own kids that they can say, oh, well, you made me a better lunch. And then she'll reward them with that, even in that compliment, right? Well, I try and I tried to nip it in the butt and, and she texts him as he's eating breakfast saying, I'm not sure what happened, but you all of a sudden don't want me to bring you lunch ever. So what happened there? And and it was like, right. So this is where the coaching your kids. So everything that we know, we can now coach to them, right? This is really why I do what I do. So I coach my clients to empower their children to learn and not make the mistakes that we made. So that is like smothering behavior. And that's really a form of control. Yeah. And quite frankly, I ripped the bandaid off and I told him that. 
right? And the older they get, you can be a bit more transparent and you're and you do it in a way you're not bashing them because you can say, you know, that doesn't feel good, does it? Right? When mom's doing that, it's not feeling it. Yeah, well, you don't have to respond. What if I um, you don't have to respond? Well, my question and to you, my son was, how many other children in this school are having their moms bring them lunch every single day? Yeah. And it was like an eye opener for him because he was like, none of them. Right. And that's the thing. Kids start to go, they start to compare, right? Like mom and dad in the beginning are like, they're the, you know, the end all superheroes of, in their lives. And then they start to compare and go, hmm, this behavior isn't normal. And now my kids have done a complete flip and they still spend time with their dad, but you have no idea how many times we've sat outside on our porch where I'm coaching them through. This is his behavior. And here's the number one thing I always tell my kids when they have a boundary and teaching them how to exercise it with their dad. I tell them this is that whatever dad's doing, you can't take it personally. It has nothing to do with you. That's just who he is. And it's, you can, it's okay to love him. It's okay to love him. I'm not telling you not to love him, but now, and here's the thing, when they really start to get really mad, when they start to start to rebel, my number one answer is, well, this is great. This is a great lesson for you because you're going to meet narcissists all over the world. And now when you go into the workforce, you're going to know how to handle this. So yay, you're getting early training. And I just spin it around that way, right? Okay. Right? So, you know, does it bother me that my kids have to deal with that? Absolutely, it does. But I can't change it. It's just, I've accepted it. And I think that for all of our, for the kids, the number one thing we can teach our children is a boundary and to be okay with said consequences of the boundary. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Did I answer every question? Apparently we need to call you for coaching. <laughs> Do we have time to get through GI and C of magic? Oh, yeah. shoot. That's what we were... Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Thank you. We take you off course. It was us. <laughs> so G, what does G stand for? So G is goal setting. Every time we are engaging with a narcissist, we must ask ourselves this question. What is my goal with this engagement? Hmm. We've done that. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't have an answer, do not respond. Yes. <laughs> we did that we one. Got, we got that one. <laughs> Box. But the other thing too is, and I take you through some exercises to help you identify how to identify this goal. So for instance, if it's about negotiation or getting something that you want, which it might be switching weekends or having your kids sign up for an extracurricular activity, that's number one fighting thing is extracurricular activities and not agreeing. Oh yeah. She just approached right. me yesterday at his basketball game about something yeah, yeah. so it's either they want to do too much and over schedule our kids or they don't want to do anything so one or the other all or nothing yeah um so it's goal setting and understanding what your goal is and then you take a conversation communication of understanding what their fears and insecurities are and then you're going to plug that into the goal equation and now you can then do c which is communicate wait what's i m-a-g oh sorry Identify your words. Identifying your words, I give in the book 10 words or phrases that are like the magic words, things that can help you formulate your conversation with them. And it's truly to either outsmart them or to neutralize the power struggle. Those are kind of the two things we're always doing with them. We're either outsmarting them or neutralizing the power struggle. There's really not much in between, okay? 
So once you identify your words and, and in the book, it talks, I mailed you a book, didn't I? Did I mail you a book? I didn't get one. Really? Yeah. I was thinking about that because I hadn't ordered it because I thought it was coming. Don't order it. I have one. I'll, I'll mail. I swear to God, I thought I mailed you. I mail things all the time, uh, my books. So I, I'm so sorry. I thought I mailed No, that's you. fine. That is totally um, fine. But I give um, a list of magic words and phrases that you can just take from, you know, like it's just a formula. It's not a full prescription of word for word, but it's just to give you examples of how to rephrase things so that you are not emotionally engaged. I think that's, a, that's what I call the narcissistic vortex. The minute you are emotionally engaged, you're screwed. Yep. They win. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's C? And then C is the communicate part, is that you're putting it all together and then you are communicating in a way where you are in charge all the time. That means that you are never losing your cool. And if you're going to lose your cool, take a step back. And if you lose your cool, you're going to do it in a way that's strategic. So one of the things that I've done one of the therapy sessions is EMDR therapy to make it so that I don't lose my cool ever again in right. that situation. And so that that's actually helped me quite a bit is going through EMDR. Yeah. I, I refer clients to that therapy. You know, I'd say it doesn't work for everybody. I think you have to be open-minded about stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think combined with EMDR and then also doing that self-work where you know that when someone's triggering you, that's all, anything anyone ever does and any emotion that you have has everything to do with how you feel about yourself, right? So if I tell you that you are the biggest jerk ever, the only way it's going to sting is if you actually think that you might be, Yep. right? Yep. So if I were to tell you you were a horrible parent, you're the worst father ever and you don't make good lunches. The only way that's really going to sting is to question yourself of whether you might be a horrible parent, right? And by the way, we all question whether we're good parents. But then if you have this agency within ourselves of self-love and say, you know what? I know I'm doing my best. I'm not perfect because nobody is, but I know I'm doing my best. So then when someone does start to say you're a horrible parent, all I now do is say, wow, they must be having a really bad day to say such a mean thing. Yeah. Yep. And that's one of my magic words. You seem stressed. What can I do to help? So when someone attacks you, like your ex-wife or whoever, and she's starting to get nasty, you just put it right back on. You seem stressed. What's going on? Like, yep. why would you say such a thing? Oh, well, let me know when you, like you, clearly you need a timeout, right? Yeah. <laughs> so call me when you're ready to talk. And now you're completely in control. Yeah. yeah. I, I try not to ever have a phone conversation with her. Well, that's what I meant. Text me, re-engage, whatever. <laughs> I know. I don't ever, ever, I, try, I don't think, I haven't spoken to him on the phone in like a year and a half and it didn't go well when we did. So, yeah. Yeah. It, anytime they call is typically a trap. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you have something you want to say, Steve? Uh, Jessica, I'm really glad you are not a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> Because of all this <laughs> exhausting. I, I think we have such an amazing relationship here is because we really respect and appreciate how much easier it is to get along and to have a relationship where we can chat and get together and be in the same room. And we respect and appreciate 
all of our boundaries that we've set up. We do. Like, yes. We understand, like, oh, yeah, there's a boundary there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if really one, one out of the three of you was a narcissist, that wouldn't be able to happen. No. Like, at all. So because of the word boundary, right? Like you respect each other's boundaries, you can communicate them and, 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 that, and that's what a functional, healthy relationship is. Yeah. But a dysfunctional relationship is when someone doesn't respect your boundaries. And it starts with the parent. Interestingly enough, a side note is throughout my entire career, every single job, I had a narcissistic boss abusive, toxic work environment. Now, did I pick that for myself? No, but I attracted it. Yeah. I took, so this is where we take accountability. And the minute we can start to change our thinking about ourselves, it changes the, our entire environment. Right. So I realized that that dysfunction of abuse was so normal for me. So the first signs of the, let's say the first couple of weeks in the job, I would now go, I am so out of here. But yeah. in the old days, I'd be like, well, this is normal. Like, I, like I'm, I'm, I must not be a good enough employee, right? That's what we normally think. Yeah. So, and the whole other podcast is to talk about as a nation and culturally, we are all somewhat codependent. We don't know oh, yeah. how to have boundaries anymore with each other. We're afraid of hurting people's feelings. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this was pretty mind blowing for all of us. Yes, Matt. So <laughs> Matt's just not going to end. I'm not ever going to let you go. No, I, I just wanted to point out, like, where can somebody buy your book? Because yeah, let's go over all of I, this again. Not only sure that'd be awesome if you sent us a book, but I'm probably going to go buy a book because I want my own copy. She can have her own copy. It'll probably get there to you faster. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amazon. I am on Amazon. I'm on Kindle. I have an audiobook. If you do the audiobook, I also um, have a work a, a downloadable worksheet um, right. or a downloadable workbook that complements either the Kindle or the audio version. That's on my website, and you can purchase that. I think for seven dollars. Okay, well, that's um, what I'm getting. I'm an I'm an audio guy. I'm an audio person too. I mean, I, I have more time for Audible than I do, yeah. you know, so I have the Audible book and then the, the workbook you can get for $7 on my website. And then I give you your money back if you write a review. So there you go. There you go. Um, so yeah, I'm on I'm all three of those things. I think I'm even on Spotify. I don't even know, but on my podcast too, you know, I talk a lot about that. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll give you a link. I mean, or you can look it up. I'll give you a link and put it in the show notes. Yeah, so we'll put her link in the show notes as well so you guys can go find her. Thank you so much. This was amazing. And I sometimes bring in guests. Like these guys don't usually know who I'm bringing in. And then they start doing the research and things. And then I see their excitement grow. And that has like gone way up just talking to you today. Because I knew we all needed this. Like this is what we needed. Lots of aha moments for all three of us. Yes. And definitely that tells me other people obviously are in great need too. And that's why you are having a successful business. Well, that's the thing is people always ask me, Lindsay, how could you talk to people all day long who's going through such hell? And I don't see it that way. I see it as I'm I'm giving you information that's liberating and and, and it's empowering. And whenever people, you know, my kind of that first typical session I have, they want to tell me all the horrible things their ex do. And I'll say, I'm going to stop you right there. Let's not waste the hour because I already know because they're all the same. They all do the same thing, plus or minus a couple unique things to them, right? Yep. What they do 
is always going to continue. The true work of change to stop that behavior is to stop your behavior first. Yep. Mm, I like that. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, you guys. This was really fun. And I'm going to have you on my podcast soon. Awesome. We are excited about that. Thank you so much. And we will connect with you soon. Hey, everyone, for the takeaway this week, we just wanted to really let you guys know that it is so important to love yourselves. We change, our bodies change, things change. And so we got to learn to love ourselves in a new way, no matter what phase of life. And don't let anybody tell you where you should be at or what you should be doing. You pay attention to what feels right for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go share it on social media. Take a screenshot, tag husband-in-law. And if you have a question, go to Apple Podcasts and put a rating and review and write the question in the review. We will be sure to answer it for you. 